I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. Can we just honor his presence for a few moments? <sighs> holy, <sighs> holy, holy is his presence. <laughs> holy, holy, holy is his presence. Whoa. There's healing in his presence. Be healed in the name of Jesus. That left shoulder, be healed right now. The rotator cuff on the left, left side, just be healed right now. The L4, L5 in the back, that going down the left side and sciatica, just be healed right now in the name of Jesus. And that tailbone, there's a tailbone. I know somebody, even as you were sitting, you can feel that pain that is being healed. And I think even had something to do with birth when there was a birth of a child. And that was supposed to be a joy that ended up with sadness. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Vertical being healed right now in the name of Jesus. There is joy in his presence. Whoa. <laughs> oh. There is freedom, freedom, freedom in his presence. Whoa. Be free. <laughs> Listen, the best, whoa, the best, <laughs> the best of who you are will only be found in him. <laughs> whoa. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you for the divine exchange that took place on the cross. We thank you that you became, uh, whoa, you took our sin with our sinfulness so we can become righteous with your righteousness. We thank you, Jesus, that you took our shame so we could share in your glory. You took our sicknesses and disease so by your stripes we are healed. You took our bondages so we could experience your freedom. Whoa! You took all the curses so we could experience all your blessings. You took our poverty so we could share in your abundance. And Jesus, you always call him Father, Father, Father. Until this moment, he says, Eli, 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 lama sabatani. He says, my God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a moment, he became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters of glory. And in John 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Jesus is the way. But the Father is the destination. Don't get stuck on the road. <laughs> Let him bring you home where you belong. Whoa. So just release a glorious homecoming this evening in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Yeah. You may be seated for a few moments. Um, <laughs> oh, we're going to, wow, I don't even know how much time we have. I had a, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> First of all, I just, uh, it is such an honor and I'm saying that with my heart. I've been looking so much forward to this. Uh, and many of you know that when, uh, when Benny passed away, actually Bill just sends his greetings. I just got a text because I said I'm here with the Bethel family. So, wow. 
Bethel Austin family. Wow. And by the way, you look good. But I just sensing there's been something in my spirit. And there was even a moment I thought the voice of the Apostle Brazil was going to be the same time. And I said, no, that can't be. And it's going to be actually in about another two weeks we're heading to Brazil. But for me, there's something in my spirit. First of all, I love Austin. I, I, anyone that is from this place, uh, there's been this thing in my heart. I still remember for years and years, we came here to Austin. And uh, back in those days, church on the hills, we were there and released baptism of love. And some of you remember that. So beautiful days. And, and then uh, I, I've been looking forward to uh, walking and Renee and just I met, spent more time with this team, with Eddie and the rest of them. We were over at your place, Tim and Liz. And then in, uh, what is it called? The, uh, San, San Marcos, yeah. <laughs> and, and at that moment also again, we just met some of the good old friends and, and I just started to sense when they invited me to come to Austin. I, I have this blessing of getting about 400 invitations a year and, and to do that you have to say no to about 360. But it, it is easy for you to say no if you have a big enough yes. Just think about that in life. So I'm just, I'm just putting this together so something has been in my spirit for this weekend. And, and I'm just going to kind of share a little bit of my journey because even lately, we, I'm just kind of can take you through the last just two, three months, not years, but just we. I ended up after about 10 years, we tried to go into an area in Pakistan as well as in Afghanistan. But this one region and area where the gospel for 2,000 years has never been. Meaning that for 2,000 years, there's not been one missionary, there's not been one Christian, not one intercessor. So I had read about it in Time magazine. And I'm just sharing this because it came to my spirit while we were worshiping. And then for 10 years, we were trying to penetrate. But it's like you're pushing a rock and it's not moving. And every single time we tried, the enemy just came in and he stopped. And it was, you felt like a defeat. And the last time it was actually when the India and Pakistan ended up in this uh, tension and war over Kashmir and shooting and bombing in 2019. And, and I, uh, at that moment, a storm followed me. Even when I was able to, they shut down all the air services over the country. But somehow I was able to smuggle myself in, got in, and then a storm hit. And for the next 12 hours, you can see it on the radar, just followed you. And then went into the stadium, just flooded that stadium. But I, I thought about it in the service because the same sweetness and the presence we had in this service, for some of you maybe, if you're not familiar, but in this environment, we were able to get to that area where the gospel has never been before. One little Muslim girl, I mean, totally crippled, born that way. The grandma brought her to the meeting. We saw the limbs in the front of them. And, and uh, she's blind and she squeezes my nose. It's one of the best squeezes I've ever had. It's like... You can squeeze my nose anytime. She was totally by a little four-year-old girl that just squeezed my nose. And I was like, Baba! I just had it. And it was amazing to see over this ocean of people and just to see the liquid love coming in and change the environment. And then I leaned towards uh, Micah, who is my assistant. And many of you are going to meet him out there at the book, book table afterwards. But Micah, I just leaned over him. I said, do you remember about three weeks ago? We were there at the Genocide Memorial in Rwanda. And as we walked through and we stood there and we put flowers and we were honoring. And it's a long story, but it was this Catholic priest who is kind of a legend. Everyone in Rwanda will know who he is, Father Ubat. But it's a story there from 1994 where uh, this father, they killed 
there was only his brother and himself and his sister that survived. But they, like over 30 some members was slaughtered and killed in the most awful way. But then uh, when their court case came and they got the murder, he went in and he forgave the murder. But then also he adopted his children. So he got life in prison, and then he adopted his children in the middle of it. So the spirit of adoption. So this Catholic priest, uh, then he wrote a book of forgiveness, Father Ubat, and, and then suddenly what this was creating all over the nation, he started his ministry of reconciliation. So he went into the, he went into the prisons and started to represent the gift of love and the gift of forgiveness and start to bring reconciliation. And now all over the country, I, we didn't meet one person all over the country that didn't know who he was. And so he's known as like a legend, but he came and one of his dreams for about five years, he came and asked me, you need to bring the Father's love because we have a whole nation that is still in trauma. So we are still, so, but we need that love to coming in. So he came to several of the Voice of the Apostle conferences. And, and then I, I kind of, yeah, we, we pray about it. We see next year. And it didn't happen. But in 2020, as I'm saying, in the end, I said, yeah, uh, we be, I promise you, we, I will come to Rwanda. I promise you I'm going to bring Papa's love to Rwanda. And, and he was like, yeah. And then right afterwards, he passed away in the States of COVID-19. He actually got COVID two weeks after the Voice of the Apostle. And then he was fighting that. So he died. So a group of us, we went there to honor him. And Micah was with us. And the reason I'm just bringing this, because what I could taste in the presence was what we saw. Tonight, it was like it, it was like that aroma. But so, the, so when we went into the Genocide Museum, because I wanted to be broken. And listen, you only have authority over what you weep over. And you only have authority over what you love. One of them has to do with the lamb's aspect of Jesus. Jesus is a lamb. In you there is a lamb, but there is also a lion. And we've had a lot of people in this season, they are lion, and we learn how to roar. But when we roar, people scatter. They do not gather because it doesn't come from the lamb's heart. So I didn't want to bring the love to the nation until I was broken over what was broken, until I could, as a lamb, I know what Barabbas deserved, but can you place that on me so he can become free? That's the lamb. Jesus, the lamb that is in you. And I tell you, there's power in the lamb. Even the radical Muslims, some of them that you saw up on the screen, they're not afraid of the lion. They're very afraid of the lamb. Actually, they don't know what to do with the lamb. They also have a big lion. And when the lamb comes in, including the one guy that I don't know if he with a long beard, but he just hugged me and kissed me. And it's like, he tried to kill me for six years. And I realize he's not the problem, I'm the problem. Because you don't have a darkness problem, but lack of light. I said, you don't have a darkness problem, but lack of light. So it's the... So God started to do something in my heart, but when I suddenly came a lamb, I know what he deserved. He's trying to kill me, but could you place that on me so he can become free? That's when something started changing the atmosphere. And eventually one day he had, in an official government meeting, shake my hand. And in the next moment, what he did, and he washed it. And he told us, he testified in front of all these imams. He says, the reason I touched an infidel, and I'm unclean. But then later on in a meeting with some of the top Muslim leaders, we were there, and he had broken his arm. And I just walked over, in the name of Jesus Christ, the bone just came together for this imam. 
And now when he's on the video, now when we come over, they do hugs and kiss. So when we were at the Genesis Museum, we, kept, we were just so broken and we wept and we saw these pictures and images. But one other thing that captured me was in the oldest Catholic church in Kigali. It's the only Catholic church in, in the country, in the main city. And in that Catholic church, you could see on, on the picture this horrific massacre. You get, don't do it online. It's trauma. It's just horrific because they filled up the whole Catholic church in Kigali and the priest was in on it. And when it was full of these people trying to escape for their life, they just slaughtered them. And it was a mass slaughter. It was known all over the world. And then as for so, when I watched that, we were just broken. So a week afterwards, after we had traveled around the country, Mike and I, we were a little earlier than the team. We stood outside and there was a mass going on. And this is in the place and you can just hear this quiet mass and then people came out of the mass and you could still see the trauma and you could feel trauma in that whole building and we were just again broken because we knew that the pain and it's one of these alcoholic tried to beg for money had scars all over been hit with machete knives and probably the pain the hidden core trauma it's just been medicating and medicating because of the trauma because when there is pain in your life pain seeks pleasure So he was trying to hear. So we are coming in there. And then, and the reason I'm bringing this up, because again, we are there. I, I leaned over towards Mike and said, can you feel that aroma? Can you feel that smell? Because I stood up there in that Catholic church the next day, full church, and we're in there, the priest and the nuns and everything else. And that same presence that we had here, wow. Mike, I was there, was swept into that place. The environment changed. And then afterwards, a baptism of love came in. And when perfect love comes in, all fear moves out. Yeah. When the light moves in, darkness moves out. And so it was just this, it was in his presence and his glory. We just stood there and it was this quiet. And Mike even said, it's almost like we just need to be still. Just to be, not to do, but to be. Be still and know that I am God. Just be. And it was just swept. And by the third day we come in, there was an explosion and all over the place. The nuns and the priests, we have it on the video on the phone. They are dancing in joy. This explosion of joy hit. Whoa. And I said for me, there was just this, there was a healing of hope that happened to me. Because I, if I knew we were in place after place in Catholic church and here I'm sitting and Mike, I also know, prayed for one person that's so traumatized by the rape and the killing of the family. And she is standing there and gave, used this miracle key of forgiveness and got totally healed on all of her body just from releasing the trauma. So we started to see the love going in and atmospheres changing and we're standing in the church and they said, do you not realize that these are the people that were killing and here's the people that their family has been murdered. There's the rapists and there are the people that were raped and we're all together but love came in and this unity came in and transformation took place and you wouldn't even have known it was just one family just experiencing. So I'm saying that when I left there, I realized that it doesn't matter if it is Democrats, Republic, whatever the issues are. I mean... I know that love is greater than. I don't know what your issues are, but I've just seen some issues. I don't know what you need healing from, but I've seen just in the last few months some creative miracles. I've seen in this environment, in this presence, what God can do and change the environment. And I believe that we're living in one of the greatest times. And I know I have these cheers that many are familiar with. It's just to be able to create a framework. I will probably do a very personal message out of that. But I just wanted to honor you for hosting his presence. And for being carrier of his glory and his presence. 
And I feeling even a little bit of the fear of the Lord in this place. To be so much in awe in the awesomeness of who he is. The fear of the Lord sets you free from fear for anything else. And it's not being afraid of him. The way I feel it is almost like in Norway we have these huge mountains. It's called with the fjords. And one of them called Krekestun, right by Stavanger. And it's this cliff and you just look straight down. I mean, you're up there 1,800 foot. And it's straight down. You see these small little boats down there. And I'm afraid of heights. You feel like it is so beautiful. It's so stunning and everything else. But at the same time, you're careful where you walk. And that's what I felt even during the worship. I saw it as, as it swept across Rwanda as a nation. And last night I just sat there with Dr. Mike Hutchins, one of the best trauma specialists. We were just sitting and telling story after story as nuns and priests stood in long line there just having encounter. In one meeting we had 30 priests and nuns and other ones that just got saved. I didn't even focus on that. I just taught my cheer message. And they changed. But the biggest thing that I felt that was the pain for my heart was all these priests and pastors and leaders and government officials has been Christians for all of these times that we didn't even know that Chernobyl one existed. And so I wanted just to describe, this is one of my framework, one of my life messages, and I feel what, what is my heart for now is because God, he loves you just the way you are. But, He refuses for you to stay that way. Because he wants you to be just like Jesus. And he has one picture in mind when he looks at you. And he, I saw that the bridegroom is looking for this bride. Uh, let me just make a statement. This is not a time to have another date with Jesus when you're married to him. So don't forget your wedding band. I've been married to Jennifer for 33 years. I have a wedding band on. I'm one with her. So many of us, we're trying to have intimacy and getting all the benefits without having covenant. So I'm just uh, warming up my voice. I'm going to be kind of a... And I will quote some scriptures, but I'm just sensing in my spirit that I, if I can put this framework, because then what we can experience, this is what we saw, including a businessman from Texas, CEO of a large corporation in Texas, called us in my room right before I came to the meeting. And he was again experienced because these businesses are moving from chair two into chair one. And you will find out in a few moments what that means. And it's so tremendous now the language that was happening, including we had the, the Ukrainian pastors and leaders that just had this incredible encounter. But now they're starting to hear what God is doing. So my heart would be when this meeting is over and you will find out with the, the, the chairs, we're going to have some fresh encounter, a fresh baptism of love, being awakened to love. The biggest thing for tonight for me is for you to love you the way that he loves you. I know that you believe in him, but some of you don't know that he believes in you. Some of you don't know that he doesn't treat you based upon your history, but your destiny. And there's something unique about you. And part of my biggest assignment in life is for people to become who they are. Who were you before the foundation of the world where you were predestined in love? Ephesians 
blameless and holy. That's who you are. You started out in glory. What sin made you fall short of glory? What Jesus came was to restore you back again to glory. Why do sin management when you can do glory management? But if we're going to go from glory to glory, you need to know who you are. So, by the way, can I get your help? This is chair number one. Which chair is this? Just pray for me, Jeff, because I need to, I feel I'm only in something about to explode. It's almost like I want to jump down and jump on somebody's lap and kiss somebody. It's like, Baba. I feel like this is volcano on the inside. Usually I end up with the ones that are stoic when I say that. Oh, that becomes a target. <laughs> I had somebody almost hit me the other day. It was like, this is chair number one. Which chair is this? Ah, very good. Chair number two, which chair is this? And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? Today in the world, there are 8 billion people. We just passed the 8 billion mark. And every single one of those in the world lives from either chair number one, two, or three. In America, there's close to 340 million people, and you're either chair number one, two, or three. Actually, everyone in this room, you're either a chair number one person, chair two, and I hope you're not chair three. But if you're chair three, ah, this is no condemnation, but it is an invitation. This is an opportunity. This is, and I will also put a little bit of my story into this because this is my framework. Uh, All the books I have written is connected to these three chairs. My Love Awakening book is for you to be able to love you the way he loves you. It is for you to have a fresh, some of you had a baptism of the Holy Spirit, but you only have visitation of the dove and then you live with pigeons the rest of the week. So each one of those books and healing the orphan spirit is because many of us are still operating from chair two and we're going to learn that from the orphan perspective. I know this is a 12-hour seminar. All I'm doing today is to give the framework because even if, even if you read the scriptures, like one of the ladies, 70 years old, key leader in Europe, because we just had 151 leaders from 12 countries in Europe. She said, me and my husband, we've built church, we've been, even our devotion, even the Lord's Prayer has been from chair two. It is what you're doing for God instead of from God. And all I wanted to share, but if you are in chair number one, it's all about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. The people in chair number one, they are seeking first his kingdom. Say his kingdom. That means he is the king and we're the dumb kingdom. That was just a joke. Norwegian humor. If you don't, I know I'm in Texas. Seek first his kingdom, and it's not my righteousness, but his righteousness. When you prioritize that, all these things shall be added unto you. Repent for the kingdom is at hand. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. The purpose is not just to be born again, but to be able to see the kingdom. The Bible also says the kingdom is not about just eating and drinking, chair two, but it is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom is in the Spirit, and when you're in the Spirit, you can see things and you can do things. The supernatural is what's natural in chair number one. 
This is the resting place. It's called the hard work of rest. And the dove, when you are resting, the dove, the Holy Spirit, finds a resting place. When I'm in Chernobyl 1, I see my father's face. When I'm in Chernobyl 1, I'm hearing my father's voice. When I'm in Chernobyl 1, I feel and I'm experiencing my father's love. Why would you want to live from measure when you can live from fullness? In Chernobyl 1, I'm living from inheritance, not towards it. But it is all connected to identity. Say identity. Who are you? Identity, identity. And out of that identity, it all comes into intimacy. That's what I felt during the worship. This intimacy where you become one with your lover. Face to face. In Chernobyl 1, you're very prophetic. Chernobyl 2, you're very pathetic. You're going to learn it. So can you see? When you're in Chernobyl 1, Ephesians 3, verse 4. Excuse me. Ephesians 3, verse 17. My mind is going fast here. It went through scriptures. It says you are rooted and grounded in love. Hey! You are rooted and grounded in love. You are rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. And you know how. High and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me. Because you are rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. Oh, high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me. Be careful. This kind of a thinking can lead to dancing. And... uh, you can become a joyful Christian and the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Papa! So everything about Chernobyl 1 living is if you go with the whole root system into your life, it is into that perfect love of the Father. Well, I thought John 4, 23, that you need to worship Jesus in spirit and truth. It doesn't say that. It says, Jesus said, you're going to worship the Father. Read it. In spirit and in truth. But it's all about Jesus. But he makes it all about the Father. But when you look at the Father, he points to the Son. And the Son points to the Spirit. And the Spirit points to the Son. Which one is it? Yes. (laughs) Because they are totally one. Because when there is one, love unites, fear divides. But channel number two, the root system is fear. And fear have some twins, shame and guilt. The people that are operating in channel and we're going to, if you're in channel number one, you're saved. Say the word saved. saved. Channel number two, saved. Say the word saved. saved. Channel number three, loss. Say loss. loss. The majority of the world's population are lost in channel number three. And I'm not going to go in and just talk about the 1.6 billion Muslims, 85% Shia, 15% Sunni. We could talk about the Hindus, the Buddhists, and everything else. But the majority of the people in America are lost in chair three. And I will just come to the conclusion in a few moments. And the biggest hindrance for these people is not they have denied Jesus, just a chair two version of him. 
and, and so my heart for today is it's not for saying people, oh, you won't share too. No, it's not a condemnation for you. They're going to be an invitation. We will all slip in. And I have been in chair too. And you will hear some of my stories. And that's why I know about these chairs. <laughs> By the way, even my little dog, Suki, likes me better. You can ask Mike. Suki is so happy when I'm in chair one. But she can pick up when there's a little chair two in me. <laughs> but when, when I'm in chair two, saved, yes. For me, the two biggest indicator when I'm in chair two, restless. Because the whole root system is rooted in fear. And the root system in chair two is restlessness. Because in the orphan world, you have to do. Because if you do, you will have. And if you have, you become. Let me say that again. The orphan system goes all the way back in. And by the way, Lucifer was the first orphan. You can read my book, Healing the Orphan Spirit. Lucifer was the first orphan. The father loved the son, son loved the spirit, spirit loved the son, the son loved the father. But listen, the father loves the son, but the son loved the son the way the father loved the son. Jesus loved Jesus the way the father loved Jesus. That's called covenant. That's at one moment. That's wedding. Jesus was always in chair number one. So Lucifer himself, I want you to see, he was in a perfect place where the perfect God, the dragon that fell, and you read in Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, but you will see that Lucifer, why are you God? And I'm just a, an archangel or worship leader. If I become like you, I'm going to feel better about myself. Is God really good? Am I really good enough? The root issue of that orphan spirit with Lucifer, it's not that the father didn't love Lucifer because there's perfect love in heaven. This is before the fall. This is before creation. Yeah. But you're going back. Lucifer did not love Lucifer the way the father loved Lucifer. That's what led to the whole fall. And the one third of all fallen angels that controls this whole world system, including economy and all this system, is connected. If Lucifer can just get you into chair two, he knows that you're going to be influenced by this world because you don't know how to influence the world. Saved? Yes. Going to heaven? Yes. But the root system is in, and you need an orphanectomy. <laughs> how do I know this? Because it's my life. So let me put a little bit of my story, and then I'm going to kind of narrow it towards intimacy. It's going to be helpful, I promise. Because my heart, because if not, we can have visitation. Oh, the service is amazing. And then traffic on your way home. <gasps> Pigeons. I can feel the anointing, but then your spouse come home. Where, why were you so late? So you go from being anointed to be annoying. So when I squeeze you here, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of just comes out when you bump into me. Love, joy, traffic in Atlanta. Papa. <laughs> but then the enemy, oh, he burns your emotional tank. So what is a gainer and drainer in your emotional tank? So people are getting tired, including Elijah, 1 Kings 18, chair one. But how did he end up as a suicidal? Same prophet that could confront the city, but here he is. Fatigue, then fear then failure, then forsaken. And the enemy starts to blackmail you. Yeah. 
and then shame comes in and shame will always tell you who you are not. Well, Papa, God would always tell you who you are. So, my life is, when I was in my mother's womb, my mom was pregnant with me. I don't remember. But she was four and a half months pregnant, and I heard the story. She had to have a major surgery. And constantly, the last four and a half months, she had fear. Fear that something had happened with this child. I didn't know when I came into this world that I'm in effect, even before I came in here and was born, I came in here and I had certain effects, fear. Make the story short, I was 12 years old, came from a good family, godly family, beautiful parents, six siblings. But then somebody, a grown man, attacked me, tried to tear off my clothes, tried to rape me. And it was a horrific trauma experience. I couldn't talk to my parents. I couldn't talk anywhere. And shame came in. And later on, guilt. So for the time I was 13 years old, I was 18. I became a suicidal drug addict, alcoholic. At the age of 18, broken. Because if this father would allow those things to take place, I ended up as far away from love that I could be. And I end up in all the demonic and the darkness and everything else. Then I met Jesus. Wow, it was glorious. Jesus came and he saved me. He healed me. He delivered me. And he set me free. That, can we say thank you, Jesus? That's the good news. The bad news was I went from rebellion to religion. I mean, because right when I got saved, I'm free. Whom the Son set free is free indeed. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. He's the Lord of my life. Not just, I didn't just buy a Savior. I have a Lord. After what Jesus did, I'm going to give my life for Him. But I didn't know I was as lost as I was as a prodigal son when I became a prodigal brother. It's just two different branches of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. This one is good and the other one is evil. But that tree was still cursed. While there is a tree of life. Baba. Where it comes from him, it goes through him, it goes back to him. Glory. So my life is here I am. So now saved and everything else. And to make the story, I meet this beautiful southern girl. So here you have this Viking, Norwegian Viking. Listen, major love deficiency, saved, yes, gloriously saved and healed and all those different things. But on the inside, I'm still an orphan. There was still a dark hole in my soul. And there was still some love deficiency. And when there is love deficiency in your life, there is God deficiencies. Because God is love, 1 John 4, 16. And then you start to try to look for love in the wrong places. And in the orphan world, when you have an orphan heart and an orphan spirit, what you're looking for, then usually it is, you're looking for affirmation. All that I wanted to hear, because after Jesus did for me, I wanted just to hear, well done from the Father. But in the orphan world is that you then do, because if you do, then you will have. And that's how you become. Well, in Chernobyl 1, in family, it's very different. I am, I am, I am. And because of who I am, I already have. Yeah. And because of what I have, I do. Yeah. Can you see the difference? Now just look at the paradigm. Yeah. And the reason this is important because Bethel Austin is a family. We're not an orphanage. Yeah. 
we've been looking for the fire. God has been looking for a healthy fireplace. We say, well, there's going to be the one billion soul harvest. God doesn't want a billion soul. He wants a billion sons and daughters. Why is it not happening when the prophecy says so? Because God doesn't want a billion chair two believers. He wants a healthy family in chair one. How is that going to happen? That we get rid of that orphan heart, that orphan spirit. It was so much part of my life. I just share a few things and then releasing what happened in my life. And so I got married to Jennifer, Southern Baptist, conservative, Norwegian. So you can imagine what I came from. And she had her luggage. She had a lot of prodigal daughter tendency. She's full of religion. She was the holy one, the pure one. That you can imagine two different cultures. She has a little Cherokee Indian meeting this Viking. I don't think the honeymoon was almost over before we recognized that. We got some issues. Because in the orphanage, this is funny because I shouldn't say it. I was doing this TV program with Marilyn Hickey and her daughters. This is Marilyn and Sarah. And I was a guest there in Denver. So while we were sitting there, Marilyn Hickey said, well, what is the difference between a chair number one and chair number two marriage then? I mean, whatever. And I said, well, in chair number two, it's like you're having two ticks, but no dog. And Marilyn was like in shock and... And Sarah started to laugh. It was live. I'm like, oh, what did I just say? That if you, it is, some of you didn't get it, but let me explain. I have a dog. <laughs> because in, in chair two, it's like, give me, touch me, bless me, fill me, 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 me. Why did he get healed and not me? In family, when your stock went up, my stock went up because this is a family business. When you had a breakthrough, I had a breakthrough. But if the enemy attacks, you attacks us because we are family. Yeah. And I mean, the whole operating system is so different. Yeah. Here, the immune system is so healthy. We had three times, but our team went out and we had every single person got healed. Every one. And I didn't pray for one. It was just, we first got a baptism of love and became free from ourselves. So he could start the flow. So him, the sun set free is free indeed. Not the gender thing. Are you getting it? So here we are, me and my wife going on this journey. And then eventually I get this man named Stephen Olford. I met my father-in-law and he took me to this expository preaching. He is a Southern Baptist pastor and exemplary living. And as I came back from this place, uh, or actually when I went there, either I'm going to go to law school, be an executive, an international lawyer, or God is coming to ministry. Back then in the chair too, that was the only, because it's us against them. Hey, are you for mask or against mask? Vaccine or no vaccine? Republican or Democrat? Are you? So what we're doing is we're finding in the orphan world which system we like the best. And then we choose which one is the good branch and which one is the bad branch. And out of the two orphans, which one? And then in the next one, we're trying to kingdomize it. I'm not doing here to provoke. I'm just saying this is touching me. Because he says, Leif, why are you prejudiced against people that are prejudiced? <laughs> Make the story short. My wife and I went on this journey. And I eventually, this man named 
Dr. Stephen Olford. He says, son, you have a calling over your life. He used to want to pray for Billy Graham when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So that was in Memphis, Tennessee. I went back, went to college, became a youth pastor, went to Bible college and seminary, became a pastor, moved back to Norway. And we ended up with, because through intimacy, you got a child. And then there was another child. First, it was just me and Jesus, then me and my wife and Jesus, and then me and my wife and a child and Jesus, and me and my wife and, and a church. And, <laughs> and just more and more started coming in. And then I started to go to the nations and, and not... Sooner or later, I started, because you're burning a lot of oil. And oil is very expensive in this season. And then I started to burn flesh. That's chair two. And we have two of my church members that I love that died of cancer. And one of them was very close to me. And I was not a total cessationist, but I was not far from it. I believe God could, but not that he would. So I lower my expectation because if I don't expect too much from God, I don't have to live with disappointment. But then I didn't see much. And the pain of that brokenness in me, to be in that funeral, reading in my Bible, and if Jesus was here, there would have been a difference. And it started a crisis in my life. And then I heard this man named Randy Clark. He's going to be June 6, 1995. I was supposed to translate small meeting for leaders like we have in the morning. And in that meeting, Randy shared his story. I'm so glad he shared some chair two stories. Because if he just told about his successes in chair one, I wouldn't be able to identify. Jesus showed them his hands and his sight. He showed them their scars. Why am I sharing some of those things? Because where the serpent has bitten you is where you have the greatest authority. If I had an hour with each one of you to describe me, here's where the enemy is attacking me. I can tell you what your destiny is. Why does he try to kill the baby boys? Because Moses the deliverer is coming. Why try to kill the baby boys? Because Jesus the savior is coming. You start to follow. Why is the enemy trying to kill me in my mother's womb? What came into my life? Fear. What has been my struggle? Fear, shame, guilt. I'm coming into intimacy with and the enemy pushed the button of fear. I go back to this place. Then shame comes in and tell me who I'm not. And then I have a super glue here. And now it's me against Goliath. And I see how big the giant is because I don't see how big God is. Yeah. Uh, are you seeing it? Yeah. Whatever you are facing. So I'm just, oh, 12 hours and I'm landing this, okay? But here. But I... Randy Clark, when he shared his story, says, anybody wants more? I was a little nervous. He lined us up and he went, there was the Salvation Army. And this was back in the vineyard day. You didn't even touch people. We're one foot away. More, Lord. Touch him. Bless him. Fill him. <laughs> they didn't do that in my Baptist church. <laughs> the Assembly of God. <laughs> Methodist. <laughs> and he head towards me and I kind of... <clears throat> Because in my church, you can get the left foot of fellowship. Because we don't have to cast our deacons. I was led by a deacon board. And they fire you if you mess around with the Holy Ghost. It's the real deal. No home, no. That happened later on, but. Randy came to me. 
but when your desperation level is greater than your fear level. And I stood there and Randy, he didn't say just more, more. He came to me and he looked at me and says, you, I don't, you are a bulldozer. And I'm thinking, no, I'm a Baptist pastor. <laughs> I must have missed the prophecy class in my college and seminary. I see you as a bulldozer going into the darkest places in the world where the gospel has never been before and this light is following after you and thousands of people, I just see this, I'm on the floor. Fire electricity, fire electricity. I'm saying that also because I know some of you saw some things here and you do not know, is this God or the devil? I don't know. All I know is tomorrow I will show you the video. Two weeks after that, another guy with young youth with a mission, Peter Helms, he said, you are a bulldozer. You're going to go into the darkest world. You're going to lead over a million Muslims to Jesus. I'm like, I don't know one Muslims. I don't, I don't even love Muslims. It's like, and God speaks something into your destiny. And a little over a year ago, I stood there. In Islam, over with 400 governmental leaders, the ambassadors from the different nations, the top from all over the world, top governmental. And I'm standing there. If we have time tomorrow, i show you the video and the picture. But I'm standing there. It's the president of Pakistan. I'm standing there with a granny mom, the top Shia, the top of who is whom. And then the president of Pakistan goes up and in front of everybody, in the front of the world, presents the International Peace Award to Dr. Leif Hetland, the ambassador of love. I hope you're hearing me. I am not saying that to brag about me. I am saying that he does not treat you based upon your history, but your destiny. That's why I believe in a God that believes in you. And I have, my journey looks like this. The glory to go looks like this. I wish it looked like this. But if you take the bottom of these, it becomes a uh -huh. crown. <laughs> I do have some scars. If you looked underneath these flashy, there's big scars. There's, and it's not been easy. Broken neck, broken back. All these years kissing your wife and chilling goodbye, not knowing you're going to come back. I didn't know when you're hitting me. Broken neck, broken back, 11 years on opiates, and I could just go on and on and on. But my smile is a genuine smile. I came up from that floor, but still an orphan with power, with dynamite. <laughs> and having anointing when you're orphan, are you still, you've had visited here? Yes. Oh, the dove is here. But then when you have these things on the inside, because your value system is, I do. And if I do, I have. That's how I'm going to become. Wow. Uh, Make this story short. 95 came along. Car accident. 98. Body cast. Sitting in Disney World. I was in a mega church on staff and running these different departments. By the end of 1999, I've seen a half a million people saved. Been to 54 nations. 300,000 people healed but totally broken, orphan. I had a house, but not a home. I didn't have a place of security. 
I knew Jesus, I knew the Holy Spirit, and I could have written a book about the fatherhood of God. I just didn't know Papa. Because I had a view of God that didn't look like Jesus. In December, Papa Jack Taylor, many of you here even know, had invited me to a little father-son's meeting, and I came there. My name Dennis Jernigan played the piano and says, Leif, come up here. I have a song for you, Leif. And I stood in front of everybody in that room. And it was a song from Papa to me. And this liquid love, wave after wave of love. I knew about the baptism of water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but I had never experienced the baptism of love. Oh, I have read about Charles Finney. I read about D.L. Moody in my books. That's kind of the closer. Ian Finney, from one mile distance, people were just getting saved because of this love that was leaking in, coming on the train. I read these stories, but that was not my reality. Because I had visitation, because I didn't know how to have habitation. And that day, the love came over, and there was an audible voice from heaven that said, you are my, and you are my Beloved, you're my beloved, not the doctor, not the apostle, not leader. You're my beloved son, daughter, son. Da you're my beloved son, son, son. I love you, son. And I am well pleased with you. That day, there was like something went into the root system. The love touched that little baby in the mother's womb. The love touched that 12-year-old. The love touched that pastor, the one doing the crusade. The one was the love just came in and realizing that I had spent all this time trying to live for love because I didn't know how to live from love. But I was affirmed by the father. Got an A plus on my report card before I take the exam. I live from pressure when you can live from the Father's pleasure. And you're going to see twice as many healings and prophecy when you don't go and go. But you're coming into the resting place. It's not if you score or not score. It's that you're out there playing ball and having fun again. And I feel what the Father wants to do tonight is restoring our childlikeness and our innocence back. Holy, holy is his love. So this chair number two is very subtle and I get in and one story and I will pray. Are you guys okay? Can you have a, uh, so here we are. Uh, I just want you to see how my world is operating. I was called to go over to the Middle East to this meeting and I was tired. And sometimes we know that in life you get these curveballs in. For me, it's flight is a little delayed and then you have some issues on the plane and some with the luggage and I land in the Middle East and I fly to the next place. And by the time I got there, you spent about 70 hours with little or no sleep. So the fatigue level is low and you can maybe pray in the spirit of Bathsheba, but your emotional tank is low. And I was just saying that because some of you, the enemy is trying to wear you out in this season. And he's just waiting till your battery is down to eat and he pushes the button of fear. And then here, you do not see the world the way it is. You see the world the way you are. Then you were being overwhelmed by your circumstances instead of being overwhelmed by him. So here, it is spirit, soul, body, and then rivers that flows. The problem when you're here is not that he does not speak. It is that your soul becomes your dominating force. So when God speaks, it has to filter its way to your emotion, will, and mind to touch your spirit. 
So when I'm in this chair, I don't know, is this God or the devil or myself? And the biggest, I want you to capture it, the biggest weapon, if we had four more sessions, I would have been able to break this a little bit more down because, but the biggest, what the enemy says, now because you have issues in your life, God cannot handle issue. He will turn away from you. So you need to now straighten up. If you have the rebellious aspect of the prodigal son, you're looking for something to medicate because now you have pain. Because shame will blackmail you. And then with the pain, you're trying to get pleasure. If you have the prodigal brother tendency, you're looking for something again to do. And if you do these things, then Papa will eventually turn towards you so he can accept you again. That's the lie of the enemy. Because what religion will point to a God that doesn't look like Jesus. Like in Luke 15, the father is looking. The father is full of compassion. The father's running. The father is, that's why I got the kissing from and hugging. Luke 15. That's before he repented. Because it is the goodness and the kindness of God that leads to repentance. I believe in the holiness of God. But what I realize when there's sin in my life, I'm the one that are turning away from him. He's not turning away from me. And that's where the disconnect comes. And the first thing I do is to turn back and repent, living a lifestyle of repentance. Like Bill Johnson says, repent. I go back into the penthouse where I belong. Repent. <laughs> so I'm going to see a lifestyle. And I say lifestyle, financially speaking. We can look at every area from this chair one. Marriage, chair one. Raising up children in chair one. What is chair one church? culture look like that is actually changing culture what would it look like in your life so the story was I came to the Middle East and then my emotional tank was down and then suddenly it's a little after three in the morning I'm finally getting into my room and right outside there's a mosque <laughs> this didn't help me a lot so here I'm like oh god and often what we do here is we're trying to ask God to do what he's called us to do. So here I'm like, oh, I just feel this fire. So here we are twice. So I'm struggling because now the mosque is there, darkness is there. And then I decide I'm going to watch to see the news. And I see 54 people have been killed, suicide bombers. Then I get the news, they're coming after you. And I'm like, here, guess what happened? I cannot see, I cannot hear. I, I had a super green chair too. And I'm like, I'm tired. So I tried to go to sleep, but I can't sleep. And I feel the spirit is just whispered to my soul to touch my spirit. So I see this radical one on one of the channel with a long beard. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to see him. And I'm like, God, I don't want to see him. I want to sleep. 24 hours earlier, I would have been there like, wow. Because here, I would see it as a promise. Here, I see it as a problem. I don't know if you see it. So, I'm like, oh, God. And then finally, I decide I'm going to be obedient. The purpose of my obedience, I can sleep. <laughs> so, I told my coordinator, go to this person. He said, he is as big as Oprah is in America. So my coordinator said, there's no way. And I said, 
please. And 11 o'clock, he went to him, came back. I told you, even his assistant wouldn't let me meet with his executive director. There's no way you can get to him. And I'm like, yeah, no, I can sleep. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit again whispered. I didn't say I wanted you to try to see him. I said, I want you to see him. And I really, I don't know how to do that. I said, Holy Spirit, now we can begin. When you see him, what do you see? At that moment when the Holy Spirit said, and I turned the channel, I looked at this same person. Here you will maybe see the terrorist Saul, but here you see the Apostle Paul. Love is patient. Love is kind. Before they become it. So I'm looking and I'm just waiting because it has to come from him. I said, I see a man of peace. I see a peacemaker. I say, I'm like, and then I get this thought. Give him the International Peace Award of the Year. So I tell my coordinator, because I know this is not the devil or this is not myself. This must be the spirit because it is so crazy. <laughs> so my coordinator, $241. I still remember, big glass sculpture, the International Peace Award of the Year. Bye. And goes to his headquarters and tells the assistant that if he doesn't tell, he's going to get fired. Your boss is going to be mad because he won the International Peace Award. And maybe since you're from Norway, they think it is the Nobel Peace. <laughs> Just a little Jehovah sneaky. <clears throat> <laughs> that story ends with uh, my coordinator venture came. The guy went, talked to the guy, said, I didn't know. This same mom I'd seen on TV. Speaks to 60 million people around the Middle East. Wow. And then we're working, eventually, Dr. Bob Phillips from, he was with me on that trip. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, Bob was there. So Bob is there with me. And I went there, 400 people in this room. Women would work on this one. And the, the men were sitting there and I presented. What are you doing now? You're prophesying over that person in a covert way. You're changing the environment because you're an environment changer. You don't check the temperature because you're a thermostat. And in that moment, he said, I didn't know that. Something comes up. I didn't know I was that. Show me where one of the wife lives, the other one, and this long list of imams stood in line, and they put their head against my chest. They squeezed. They don't do that in a culture. The next one, they stood there, just hugged me and hugged me, and he stood in a long line, and we left. Later on, he visited Washington, D.C., President Obama was doing his Freedom Act and we were part of something happening in Washington, D.C. And he said, I want to come to your house. And I put the Al-Quran and the Bible on the highest shelf in my office. And we came in there and when he saw, he took the Quran down in Arabic and he started to read some surah verses from the Quran. As he was reading for me, suddenly the presence of Jesus is coming in. And I was thinking, this is not a good time, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I have this famous imam sitting and reading the holy book of the Quran and you <laughs> and I'm not saying ending and then I'm getting a little drunk in the spirit like some other people in the server it's like finally I'm not saying ending I've tried to behave it's like, and finally he said whoa, 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 what are you doing to me I said what are you talking about he said well, what is this tingling it going up and down and up and down oh it's just the presence of Jesus and he is here and then listen, here's where, because I'm not giving you a spirit of fear, chair two, but power, love, and a sound mind, wisdom. So what wisdom says here is, I did have enough favor to pray for him, but not to touch him. 
and my hand over his head, prayed, and he got healed. I didn't know it, of a stomach condition. Next morning, 12 years, and he had been there at Wyndham Hotel in Peachtree City, Georgia. He's been there at the buffet and eating all this food. I didn't know. So said, you come to my room when I arrived. And I'm like, am I in trouble? I walked into his room, and he opened up his laptop, and there, two wives with the nine from grown children, and down. he said, I want you to give them what I received yesterday. Precious, precious of God hit that room later on there in a mosque. And to make that story short, we are in the Philippines and the presence of God filled the mosques and healings and Jesus shows up in a mosque. Can we stand to our feet? How many of you know there is more? I know that if we have maybe, but I just sensing even tonight, is there anyone here that can recognize that there's some fatigue going on? There's been some battle fatigue and even some hope, hope deferred has made a heart sick. I shared a little bit of my story. I have gone into this chair more than I like. But the beautiful part of that is there's an invite. This is no condemnation. Like I told that lady after all the devotion and even the one person who built a 3,000 member mega church and realized he had built a chair to church. With 3,000 orphans and self was in the center. Then he realized the invitation, come home. And I just sense him there's a resting place where the dove is going to find rest. Come, come. The qualification for chair one is that you struggle with chair two. He says, come to me all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. My burden is easy. My yoke is light. Learn from me. I'm low and meek and humble in heart. Of our 89 chapters, the only time he describes his own heart. For you to learn from his heart. Because my burden is easy. And then I will restore your soul. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.